This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Kucherov gets it again on the right wing boards. Top of the circle, takes a shot, he scores! Paul's got it, going to the goal, to the back door, Kucherov scores! got caught on one side of the ice and Nikita Kucherov was wide open to the right circle. He scores his second of the game on the power play and it's 4-2 Lightning. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Down the boards to Patterson. Back to Hironik. One-time drive. Stop by Johansson. Rebound. They score. JT Miller on the doorstep knocks it home and the Canucks make it a one-goal game with 149 left in the third period. Hironic got it to the net. Miller jammed home the rebound. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. After winning two in a row, they've lost two in a row, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit the phone boards as well. We have Randeep Janda awaiting. We'll bring him on in just a moment here, Bick. But, hey, the Canucks made it interesting. JT Miller scores a goal late. They had a last gasp, perhaps perhaps tying the game, but a little paralysis by analysis in that last flurry. Listen, the game wasn't cost with 17 seconds to go. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Miller scored. They had some time, but a bit of a missed opportunity, not getting a shot on goal with uh, some time left on the clock there. Passing it around along yeah. the outside. Uh, you do got to get that puck towards the net. Just give yourself a chance somewhat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no opportunity there by Elias Pettersson to uh, flick it at least towards the net and, yeah. and hope for something. It kind of uh, does encapsulate the night for the Vancouver Canucks. Had an opportunity, didn't take advantage of it, took the lead at one point in this game. Played a clean. I'd say, you know what, outside of, and we'll get to the... Uh, the elephant, or some would say giraffe, in the room. We'll get to that. I just up in, want to understand. We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. But just in terms of the game story, because I want to bring Randy into yeah. the, uh, the show here. The game story. For the first half of this game, Bick, at 5-on-5, five five, the Canucks played well. They controlled the game for the most part. They outchanced Tampa for the most part. They were clean for the most part. I didn't love the two penalties against them, to be fair. I didn't love the two of them. At least one of them I, I thought you probably shouldn't be called, but you know, whatever. It is what happens. And you know what? Myers makes a pretty egregious mistake, and we'll get to Randy in a second. But they t- did take a 2-1 lead, and they crumbled after that. So a bit of, bit of disappointment from the Vancouver Canucks. But let's welcome Randy into the discussion, Randy. I know uh, everyone wants to talk about number 57, and we'll get to it. But in terms of an opportunity here tonight, a bit of a mixed bag for Vancouver. And much like in Philly, maybe you could help yourself a bit more, and maybe you come out with a better result. Yeah, and I look at that second period. I know we're going to talk uh, about the game in its entirety, but like overall, guys, that first period, outside of the the penalties, you start looking at the five-on-five game, especially the second half of that period. The Canucks played decent. It's just that they couldn't get out of the penalty box, and some of those calls were a little questionable. But overall, uh, great start to the second period. But here's the problem. That structure, that shape that we talk about Mm -hmm. being so important to this coach fell apart in the second half. And Part of it is credit Tampa Bay. They understood where this game was going, and they really put their foot on the gas. But a lot of those plays, you know, self-inflicted in in a lot of ways where puck management, second half of that second period, was not good. And in the end, that's the stretch that cost the Canucks this game. You know, we always look for for uh, turning points as well. And, you know, for a team like Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. who have such history of, of... 
competing and uh, obviously their success that they've had in the playoffs, winning Stanley Cups. You knew that they were going to raise their level or find a moment that said, okay, this is our chance. And I do go back to that power play the Canucks did have. Uh, Chernak takes that tripping penalty. And then after that, it feel, felt like, okay, they found their spark. no fights right after that. And mm-hmm. just felt like, okay, this is the chance that they're going to kind of torque it up. And the Canucks never really matched it until, I don't know, a couple of minutes left in the game. Yeah, it felt like the the Genoa fight, the penalty kill for sure. And then when Essimont scores, it mm-hmm. felt like that woke up the top six for Tampa Bay to say, mm-hmm. all right, our energy guys are bringing it. Um, and you started to notice Kucherov a lot more in that game. But, you know, the more that a player like Nikita Kucherov, he, don't get me wrong, he had moments in the first period where he found that soft area. And especially against Hironik and Hughes, a couple of chances in tight. Like he was, he was sniffing around the goal. He was going to get his at some point. But they were still pretty sleepy, and the Canucks did a decent job of containing them five on five. But no doubt, and I think you mentioned the penalty kill. Um, There's only so much you can do against some really good power plays. And Tyler Myers and Elias Pettersson, uh, that collision in the corner, yeah, that's kind of uh, Benny Hill music kind of starts. And I just want to understand. Yeah, I don't understand, man. Like, like, I I don't. Neither do I. Like watching that live and, and calling it, guys. It's just. Low risk play. What's the low risk play there, right? You, you want to take away the east west pass. You go there. Not only does uh, you, you not win the puck battle, you end up on top of your teammate, uh, which is not ideal in the sport of hockey against this sort of power play. So, yeah, I don't understand that either. But that that's something that we saw last year. The east west passes. Uh, we haven't seen that that much this year. We're going laterally on this PK, but that was a moment where decision making comes into question to say you need to make that play against this power play especially well and i mean that's the thing i mean against this power play but also that's the worst possible outcome like when you make that play like you're taking yourself out of the play you got to make sure you get the puck otherwise you're outnumbered you know susie's alone you have a three-on-one down low essentially if you miss it and the worst possible outcome is not only taking yourself out of the play it's taking your teammate out of the play you're not taking your teammate out of the play i I, I honestly don't understand like what goes through his mind at times and i'm sure he was like i just want to understand and i'm sure he's dealing with like confidence issues or whatever but it makes no sense but like honestly like yes he, he was at fault for two goals a disaster of a night but the team yet again like you mentioned and and i thought you know again for the first half of the game they played well but they wilted as soon as Tampa got back into this game. They were lucky they weren't down by more by the time the second period came to an end. I mean, they, they narrowly missed Tampa in a few opportunities. I think they scored, created six or seven high-danger chances that period. The Canucks had next to nothing after the second half of that period came along. And then you get to the third, and you need a big pushback. And yes, a professional team, Tampa, they know how to win and close games out. But they had no sniff until J.T. Miller gets a bounce. And then finally, towards the end, you had a bit of a flurry to see if you can get a miracle goal to tie it up. So it's it's disappointing to see also like that mental toughness they need. That also really waned throughout this game. I think one of the areas, and we talked about you know the two goals at the beginning of the second period, which was a great start. Aggressive forecheck on both of those goals. Uh, PDG and Miller combined to create that opportunity and Besser scores. The same thing goes on with the Tyler Myers goal where Garland and Kuzmenko are in. They force the pressure. Puck comes out to Pedersen. After that, you don't really see that anymore. And even though they had that great start in the second period, guys, the last two games, they've been outshot in the second frame 41 to 9. 41 to 9 when you're looking for a response. And to me, that's a, a big moment where, especially against Philadelphia, you don't play well, you're down two zip, 
and you have a stinker of a period. And here, where, sure, you start off the period well, but you da- you can't follow it up. And and to me, I think that's something that you have to look at. And I'm sure Rick Tockett, um, this was, in a lot of ways, a better game than the Philadelphia one. There was at least a little bit of pushback. That one, they were flat as the prairies, right? <laughs> this one, at least there were some, some kind of peaks and valleys. Uh, but for me, I, I look at that and say, yeah, you want better decision-making in those moments, and you want more intensity. You mentioned the power play uh, a couple of minutes ago. There's one. Yeah. You know, a team that's bringing it, a team that is hungry, a team that's willing to, to compete, uh, you got to draw more penalties than that. And I think, you know, I was not surprised that you can't even look at the refs to say, I can't believe there were a bunch of missed calls. There weren't. The only way to remedy that is you have to bring effort, you have to battle, and that's something that they weren't able to do consistently enough. But yeah. Even more than effort, guys, is... Are they putting opposition teams in enough threatening positions to either create goals and chances themselves or draw penalties to put them on the power play that should be very good? And that, to me, like we came into the season and say, hey, scoring for this team is probably going to be down. That's why they're going to be a low event team. And even still, like we haven't seen enough since the first game of creating opportunities that you say, hey, this is a great goal scoring opportunity. It's it's been, you know, it's some some work to the point and hope to get the puck through and create deflections and rebounds but yeah. not enough of actual offensive generation and and there's a lot of text coming in about that of just not seeing enough of grade a scoring chances jameson clona said beside our three goals if we had any grade a scoring chances in the last two games feels like we're skating uphill both ways yeah i look at that and i i start to you know Prior to the season beginning, one of the the questions was depth scoring and five-on-five scoring. Is that going to be there? Um, The last two games, I think you can look at the JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Phil DiGiuseppe line and say, all right, hey, they're controlling shot attempts. They're controlling, uh, you know, shots for. They're they're controlling everything you want controlled in that situation. And even goals for, they were neutral. But, Mm -hmm. hey... Ozone time is fine. And the Canucks, you know, a couple of games ago, guys, we were talking about, hey, I want to see how that changes. They have more ozone time than the the Tampa Bay Lightning today. But the score in the end is 4-3. Are you able to do anything with that? So I like the way that that Miller, Besser, and PDG line's playing. But are you able to get anything from it? And that's where they've been, you know, lacking the last two games, especially where, okay, if you're on the perimeter of the, you know, the ice and you have puck possession and you're battling, but nothing comes of it, uh, that's something that is going to be concerning. So, you know, when you're playing the good teams, in Tampa Bay, in the third period, allowed four shots or had four shots on goal. Mm-hmm. They were comfortable. They didn't really, you know, they were okay with Vancouver having more shots, but they weren't giving up anything primo. And I think looking at this team now, this is where you need your top six to step up, right? A, to draw penalties, and B, to score. And even though the Besser Miller PDG line had possession, you know, they didn't really create that many great opportunities. And you can tell something is obviously bother, bothering Elias Pettersson as well. That line didn't have much going on offensively either. Yeah. It seems like Elias Pettersson, uh, like the coach said, he's a bit banged up. We know that he's been the target of, uh, uh, of a few hits and slashes Extra from opponents. Yeah. We've seen that, of course, right? But also, he did take a Tyler Meyer slap shot, which he was wincing and was having a hard time getting to bench 
from yep. this was in the Philly game as well. So there's been a few friendly fire and also not so friendly fire taking Elias Pettersson out. And you're right, he didn't quite look himself at all tonight either. I know he picked up two assists, but again, just didn't quite look like he was himself. And for Quinn Hughes, I thought Quinn had some moments. I mean, he had the end to end rush, which would have been a real highlight. Went I mean, off the post. Yeah, I mean, yep. it goes end to end, creates space for himself, and a wires a shot off the post. His shot does look a lot better than it has in recent years. But what did you make of how the defense played outside of Myers, of course, and, and the way Quinn Hughes tried to bounce back? Yeah, focusing on that play, it felt like Brandon Hagel didn't realize how fast Quinn Hughes could be there, straight line, <laughs> yeah. where it was just kind of like, oh, never mind, you got that gear. Um, but overall, guys, that pairing to me, um, early on in this game, especially when Tampa Bay had the puck in the offensive zone, and it didn't really amount to much, but you could see them especially Kucherov, finding those soft areas. And listen, Kucherov is one of the best players in the world. You don't put up 113 points in a season just for nothing. But there were some cracks in front of the net that I... None of those guys are overly physical. Hirona can play that game. But there was some area in front of the blue paint that you could be like, all right, you know, that, that might be a little bit... You're losing your guy in front, in front of the net. That could really bite you in the rear end. Um, overall, I think that pairing to me is something that Philip Ronick is, and going back to his days in Detroit, he's going to have his moments where he's going to do some really good stuff. He's going to push the pace. He's going to you know, be good defensively. He's going to be you know, great pushing the puck up the ice and making that first pass or finding passes in the slot. But he's also, at times, and we saw that a little bit the last couple of games, uh, he's a little careless with the puck, a little casual at times too. And the question is, do you want that type of player playing next to a rover like Quinn Hughes? Because in a way, Hronik, who's going to eat around 24, 25 minutes a game, he's a special player in his own right. But if Hronik is taking more chances, if Hronik is potentially trying to push the pace himself, is he the steady hand that you want next to Quinn Hughes? And I'm not saying Quinn Hughes needs that type of player next to him, but generally Quinn is going to be the guy that pushes the pace and and takes those chances so the last couple of games I've I've just kind of wondered about that fit on the first pair and is that maybe do we see a little bit more Ian Cole at some point with Quinn Hughes just because I'd like to see a more stay-at-home option next to Quinn Hughes and that gives Philip Roenick a chance to be maybe a little bit more aggressive and he could play next to a Carson Soucy just a little bit more balance on both pairs yeah uh, no doubt about that and we'll see ultimately what happens Randy great stuff calling the game alongside Batch and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again very soon Cheers, guys. Uh, that's Randy Janda. Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. Uh, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on Sportsnet 650. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line if you would like as well. Now, uh, we're seeing a lot of reaction on Tyler Myers. Like He's, he's the big topic of discussion cabby says is Myers still the ink blot d-man because he's been really bad this season oh so no far. i think we can remove that we can uh, remove that yes that was two years ago great callback though yeah. Cabby. i haven't said ink blot d-man in a while that's but been yeah. a couple years like ago now, I, yeah. I think we all see the same thing right now yeah and you know we know what we're also getting a lot of text messages and messages on twitter as well saying the coach will have no credibility if he doesn't scratch Myers. This one says Rick talking can say whatever he wants post game, but he doesn't have the guts to scratch Tyler Myers so much for accountability. We'll see if they ultimately do Bick or not and what gets said about Tyler Myers. But I'd say that it's now what four goals in the last two games. And believe it or not, I thought he was actually worse last game with how he played. 
But tonight, like he, he had I would like, agree with that. that yeah, it, okay. and I'm, I'm not saying it was good. No, 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 no wrong, but, but I think last night was like, it, it, well, not last it, game. It was just two night. exceptionally bad moments tonight. Yeah, two exceptionally bad moments. Had some other bad moments as well. But actually, had a few moments where he was like, it was okay. At Broke PK, up a two on one. one. Yeah, I did some couple and, of things. And during the PK was fine. Yeah, yeah. But like the two mistakes are horrendous. Yeah, like, I think. Yeah, you're right. The last game, like against the Flyers, was way worse. It was horrible, and it was kind of like the team. The team actually was decent tonight and had some horrible moments. That's why I think the coach will take some something positive out of it. Unlike the other night, where it was like outside of Demko, nothing positive. But I mean, are you at a point now where you have to scratch Tyler Myers? You know what it is. It comes down to. Do they feel like he's meeting their non-negotiables? And if he's making mistakes, well, they're mistakes. Like, it depends on how they view those in but terms of, is, like, I, I'm with you. Like, turning honestly, the puck over is also a non-negotiable. No, it is, man. Like, to me, like, I, I think we have to get to a point now where they have to they have to scratch him. And I know he's an asset or whatever, but I think more than anything for himself, sit him down, let him watch a game. Go go calm down and sit down for a minute. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to solve anything. Like, this isn't some yeah. 22-year-old player where you're like, hey, just go learn the game from the press box and suddenly things will kind of cool down for you. Like, Tyler Myers is a 33-year-old player. Yeah. Uh, a day, a game away from the ice is not going to solve anything for him. But the thing is, like, okay, what's your solution? Noah Jolson comes in? Yeah, I mean, is that necessarily better? I mean, is it worse? Do you play Myers and Friedman together and just say, like, we'll figure out the righty-righty thing later? Mm-hmm. Right now, we've got to go Cole and Hughes, Susie and Hronik. But then and- everything, I don't, I, don't, I don't see them doing that. That's two righties together and then two lefties. That's, I, like, that's like chaos. I don't see, I don't see him doing is, that. Is it better than this? Hey, I'm not saying, I'm just telling you, I don't see but, the coach doing that. But that's a way to limit the minutes. Okay, <laughs> but then after that, your next option is, like, Hirose is above Juleson to me to play. So you're going to bring back Akito Hirose and then go Hughes, Cole, th- Susie Hronick, Hirose, Friedman? Or even Wolanin, honestly, like whatever. Okay, but... Or Irwin even. So now, so now you're going to send Juleson Myers, down. Yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fine with all these yeah. options, okay? But like that's the, the next step then. Yeah, and, and, and it's tough, right? I mean, I think it's more about like he's been so bad. Like, I, like, so I get the whole idea for credibility. You need to set him for accountability. You need to sit him down. Now, this text says sitting Myers isn't going to fix anything, and they don't exactly have someone to replace him. They need better players, and I think that ultimately gets to the crux of the issue. The Canucks need answers on the right side. We we mentioned Mark Friedman, his first game. We could talk about how he fared in his first uh, viewing as a Vancouver Canuck. He's a righty defenseman, but he's a left. He, he's a he's a depth defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's a number seven defenseman, maybe a number eight on a good team. Heck, he was he was like number nine on the on the Penguins, and the Penguins look pretty average. So it is what it is. They need to get better. It's not easy to find righty defensemen. It's not easy to find better defensemen, and that's why this whole notion of doing it by committee matters. But they're a team big that can't afford to shoot itself in the foot. Now they won the first two games. Great, we gave them a lot of credit for it. Even the second one when they hang on when they hung on to win. The last game a no show. Tonight you cost yourself a point. I know Tampa's good, but they're not playing that great. They weren't dominant. They were better than you in stretches, but they cost themselves a point tonight. You know, and, and against a team like Philly, there's no good reason why you shouldn't come away with a result against Philly unless you get goalied. And they sure as heck didn't give Carter Hart a chance to goalie them. No, he, he had a shutout, but it was yeah. one of the easier shutouts we'll have. So they didn't get goalied against the Philadelphia Flyers. So what have you done? Like to me, like I look at these past two games, I look at three points that you probably should have had at least. So you know what? That's the disappointment and it comes down to you hurting yourself now is this team maybe not good enough we'll see as the season goes on we don't know enough but in terms of the results so far i think when you lay an egg and you shoot yourself in the foot tonight you cost yourself points in the standings you go from being two and no on the season to two and two on the season 
you know, for about 27 minutes, I, I thought they were fine, uh, better than fine. It was just one egregious moment in the first period yeah. by Myers that gives Nick Paul the, the, the chance to clean up a rebound. Yeah. But you know, basically up until the fight, they were in it and playing well and, and responded well after that first period. Besser and Myers gets that goal. You know, he chalks off what he did in the first period. But then, like, this is the thing that we just we always wonder about, like, the the... the the evolution of these players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Quinn Hughes came out at the start of the season and was very adamant. It's like, it's time for us to put up. Like, there's been a lot of faith extended into this group and their high draft picks and some contracts have been handed out. Now it's time for them to show it. And yep. right now, like, that that resolve you need in a game when, when the other team challenges you, Hasn't been there. No, it, it certainly hasn't been. And uh, we'll continue breaking this game down. Keep getting your text messages into our text inbox, Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. Let's hit the phone boards here. Uh, we have Jake and Langley. Jake, what's going on, man? What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. I appreciate you guys taking my call. I actually quite enjoyed that game. I thought it was a pretty fun game to watch overall. Um, uh, so two things. Um, uh, first, I got some homework for you guys. Okay. Yes. And I, I understand uh, Tyler Myers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand Tyler Myers is a super nice guy. Okay. So this isn't anything personal, but can you find out like the penalties and the cap space that we could save if we potentially not just scratch them, but take, send them down to the minors? Like, I think that would make a statement. I don't even know if it's possible, but if it is, can you just do a little bit of research on that? Maybe in the next half an hour, let me listen in and see. Well, we'll, we'll stay, on the, stay yeah. on the line. I'll, we'll, we'll give you instant analysis on this, Bick. The buried penalty is one point one point one point two million. Yeah, somewhere roughly around one point two million. Oh, okay. so they'll save one point two million on the cap by sending him down. Which actually, you know, the point that you make, Jake, if they want to sign, if they want space to sign Ethan Bear, for instance. At a prorated yeah. contract in January when he's ready to go, which would be about a one million cap hit. And I'm not saying you know this could happen, but they could send Myers to the minors, clear 1.1 million, and they can sign uh, Ethan Bear. So I mean, yeah. there, there are there are options if you want to go that route. I don't know if they'll do it, but just to answer your question, Jake, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just an option because yes. like it's been it's been too many years of this, right? Yeah. Now, secondly, I want to talk a little bit about JT Miller. Uh, I feel he's been absolutely fantastic all year. I, I truly believe he's been the best Canucks so far. And I know Petey's, uh, you know, putting up the points for sure. And he's been pretty good as well. I know he's maybe hurt today, but I just feel like JT Miller has been in every single game. He, the work ethic is there. Um, he's not, you know, kind of pouting like he was, was before. He seems to be more of a leader. And, you know, I just wanted to give him a little bit of praise. I just feel like he's really, really stepped up his game so far this season. I'm really nice to see. That's all, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Jake and Langley calling in. Uh, let's take one more phone call before we hit the break, and we'll get to uh, more text messages coming in here to our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, let's go to Richmond, where Sam is on the line. Sam, what's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, is this the uh, Everybody Hates Tyler Meyer show? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much that. <laughs> nobody hates, nobody hates. I just want to understand, yeah, yeah. all right? I'm going to keep saying that tonight. <laughs> I just want to understand. Um, I, as far as that, you guys have said it and the last call pretty much said it, I don't know what they have to do with Myers. Honestly, they're better off either having nobody at all. Well, he is pretty much a pylon, but, I mean, the tight, a tight defenseman plays better than Tyler Myers and I know that's really hurtful and really bad but it's it's true they need I don't know why the Canucks didn't 
um, improve their D, the right side, if they knew this was, we all knew this was probably going to be a problem this year, but I just feel like the Canucks never really improved their right side at all. I could be wrong, but it's, it's awful. Like they shoot themselves in the foot so many times over stupid things. And you're right. It is mostly Myers and they have to come to a point where they either sit him or put him on waivers or something. Cause it's really, really getting ridiculous. It's, it's, these are like you guys said, these are easy points. They could have beat Philadelphia and they could have definitely beat Tampa tonight. And that's four points that again, probably at the end of the year, we're going to come into April and we're going to look at and say, hey, those four two or those four points that we could have had, guess what? We lost them and we don't make the playoffs again. So not saying it's, I'm so grim and negative, but it, it definitely looks like that. Um, I'll just wrap up and say they, their defense is what's going to probably stop them from making the playoffs this year. If at, at all they make the playoffs. Anyhow, thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, Sam. That's Sam and Richmond calling in. I mean... The uh, Philip Hironic trade last year was to address the blue line mm-hmm. for this upcoming season, but he does make a fair point. Now, the Canucks were, in, I mean, the Canucks, we, we mentioned this before, they were interested in Damon Severson. He never got to free agency, got traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's a guy obviously would have addressed the right side in a meaningful way. I know he struggled in his, in his first game with the Columbus Blue Jackets, but nonetheless, a righty defenseman. And, I mean, yeah, the Canucks, I guess, I guess they could have had a chance to sign a Connor Clifton type who is a true righty. Is it better to sign him or a Carson Soucy? Fair point. If that's what you, you know, if you want to make that point, that's fair. But I do think they tried to address the right side, but they also added a couple of guys who they felt like management wise are lefties that can play the right side. But here's the thing. But there's a reticence from the coach to use those lefties and on the right side. That's what the texters, uh, texters are putting in here. How, how do we not anticipate these issues on defense? How did this management and coaching group not anticipate this if they knew they were going to play Cole or Susie on the right? Yeah. And so at this stage, now, like, this is three games in a row, like you got the, the win against Edmonton, but now this is three games in a row where you weren't the better team. You have to make this adjustment. Yeah. I, I understand, like, you've got your idea, you got your principles, lefties on left, righties on right, but this isn't working right now. Ian Cole can play the right side. Mm-hmm. Has done so on Stanley Cup winning teams. Yeah. Your pride of your belief cannot be greater than the evidence of a player actually having success. So Ian Cole has to go to the right side at some point. Really soon. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't disagree with that at all. I think he's a guy that can play the right side, and he's better than the options that are true righties for this club right now. We'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox and the phone boards. We'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett and more analysis after the Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar and the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Anderson tangled up with Hall on the far side. Can't get it. Now Nick Paul's got it. Going to the goal to the back door. Kucherov scores! Canucks got caught on one side of the ice and Nikita Kucherov was wide open to the right circle. He scores his second of the game on the power play and it's 4-2 Lightning. And that's exactly it. Elias Pettersson and Tyler Myers get caught on one side and they collide and both fall on the ice which frees up a lot of ice for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Welcome back to the Canucks Central Post Game Show. 
Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, the play you heard coming in, that's the Tyler Myers tackling uh, Elias Patterson. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's just astonishing. We spoke about it quite a bit with a uh, bit with um, Randy, too. And I know the text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar, Lumber. It's just... I'd say right now we can't do the math because honestly it's too many tweets. I mean tweets, texts for us to count and read. But I'd be I'd say it's safe to say over ninety percent are about Tyler Myers. Yeah, yeah. If if you want to go to the top of the list in the text inbox right now, have a non Myers text, <sighs> and then you'll, you'll you'll stand out amongst a sea of resumes. You'd be like, oh, this one's color coded. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> Maybe we should hire this person. Exactly. Every every text right now. It's either about Rick Tockett or Tyler Myers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, capitalist on the text inbox says, Van City, we are four games into the season. Last week, we were going deep in the playoffs. This week, we are getting a lottery pick. Give this group 15 games. That's one text. That's one uh, text. That's true. But it's not that they're two and two. It's how they're two and two. True. I will say, though, tonight, like, I'm not pinning this entire game on Myers. And there's stuff they have to do better, right? But if Tyler Myers doesn't have a chaotic night, what like it's it's just a regular loss then, or is or, like, or, or is it a loss? Did it maybe OTL, pull something out of it, or did it maybe? Like, maybe I they think you're in point. the game. Like I do yeah. think it's fair to say the Canucks again. The first half of the game played well, right? They played well, and then you know they allow a goal. Then Myers does Myers things, tackles Petey, and the next thing you know, you're in trouble. Right? Isn't did that he even tackle happened? him, or did he just kind of lean into him and stumble over him just and ran land him. on him? Just ran ran into him. He's like the big brother, where it's like the little brothers that got like a soccer game. He's like, I gotta go! Yeah. It's like, no, you just, you just, just sit, sit on the sit little on brother. <laughs> you're not like, getting involved. You're not going. You're gonna be late for the game. Yeah. It's like... And, and Petey, like, didn't even move after the... the As soon as he got up, almost in disbelief of like, what just happened? Yeah. And then they score. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this text says, do we cost ourselves a point? Uh, should we have won tonight? Not really. If you look at the game, clearly the better team won tonight. Again, maybe we just plain aren't good enough. How about uh, that analysis? It seems like no one wants to address the elephant in the room. Do you think a bunch of talk about structure and we need to be accountable, et cetera, et cetera, have changed the outcome of those minor league players that get trounced by Calgary in the preseason? If the collective talent isn't there, then maybe people need to accept that it is what it is and try to enjoy the season the best we can. I mean, listen, it's, it's four games into the season. Mm-hmm. And somebody texted in. It was Mike, I think. Um, let me bring this up here. Um, yeah, Mike in Ontario. Patterson needs a big north-south winger. No one on this team that can be phys- that can physically push back the D. And I know he's not the physical guy people want him to be necessarily, but Ilya Mikheyev is coming back in the lineup. He's going to be coming in, stepping to that spot that uh, Garland currently is with Elias Patterson and Kuzmenko. That's going to bring some size. It'll bring some speed. It'll bring something sorely needed for this group. I think getting t- uh, Teddy Bluger in the bottom six gives you some speed, some two-way ability all of a sudden. And I think if you can get Garland down, because Somebody else texted in and said the the bottom six looks horrible. Uh, it's a bad mix. They look disjointed. Mm-hmm. I agree with that because I don't think they have their combos. I think if you at least go Garland and Suter and then go Bluger and Lafferty, I think you start getting a couple lines that can have some sort of an identity. They can do something, for instance. And Mikheyev with Pedersen gives you some speed. So I do think, and listen, you can't be healthy all year. you got to overcome mm-hmm. injuries and adversity and all that. And this team obviously has a long way to go. But I do think in terms of giving the team time... I, 
listen, we're four games in. Yeah. Before we make any any declarations, that's why we said no. You know, take it's only two games into the season. It's only one game into the season. I heard Halford on Halford and Bruff saying, you know, Satin Big told you to calm down after the first game. You know, it's only one game in. I, I forget what we said. And I was like, I was like, no, this is why I said, you know, like enjoy it, but like you got to give it some time. Still, though, I did say, so you know, game five, I wanted them to be above five hundred. Yeah. As much as like the the general principle of. Hey, like easier way into a season. That that makes sense mm-hmm. for thirty-one other teams. The way the teams in uh, the, the the seasons have gone in this market, the first five games should be important. No, they should be. They should be important. And so, okay, you're you're five hundred right now. You win on Saturday against Florida. You're above five hundred. Then I say, okay, I, I breathe a little bit easier. But I do want them to be above five hundred or at least five hundred when they come back home against St. Louis. Yeah. No. I, so they 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 got to get uh, a win here in these next two, absolutely. Because at least one win. Sad if they keep playing like this, and let's say they get one point in these remaining two, right? So they come back home, they got three points uh, in the opening six games. Or sorry, uh, five points in the opening six games. What do you think the mood is going to be like uh, that that second home game? Is is it going to be tense? Is it going to be anxious? It'll is it going to be, be welcoming? It'll be. Te- I mean, if you if you lose if you lose out on the road trip. Then it's not going to be. It's going to be a pretty nervous feel. It'll be like it won't be quite like last year because they showed up. What is it? Zero and six. Yeah, and then they lost, and it was just like horrible. But maybe it's not quite that bad. But people are still waiting to buy in. Of and course, I understand why people are waiting to buy in. But if if you go the rest of this road trip not having success, and you come back home, the memory, memories of eight one will be washed away pretty quickly. And and they got the good vibes at home, and like the the back end of that eight one game was overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the crowd was just raving. Yeah. It was a party. And you just saw, like, the atmosphere kick up and the players start going and they run up the score. You get a tense atmosphere. The way we talk about this group, are they going to feel the tension? Be like, oh, man, it's like it's tense in here. Yeah. And suddenly and they start snowballing. snowballs. And it's not like St. Louis is an overwhelmingly great team, but... Again, these teams can they capitalize on you? Again, like I I know people mention, hey, give Philly respect, and fair enough. I mean, the Flyers beat the um, uh, they beat the Oilers Oilers tonight, and they're again, like I mentioned about the Flyers. I said this going into the game: if you don't show up and work hard against Philly, you're going to lose. But if you work hard and match their intensity, you're going to win the game or get a good result, unless you get goalie. Because they they play hard and they work hard, but if you match that intensity and take some space from them, you're going to get opportunities. And as long as your goalie's fine and that goalie doesn't stand on his head, you have a good chance against them. I haven't watched the game against the Oilers, but looking at the shot numbers with that Oilers team, I bet you they didn't match the intensity. That's what you have to do against them. Canucks didn't meet the intensity. They lost that game very convincingly, even though it was only two goals against. Tonight, I thought they were a lot better. I think when we hear from the coach, I bet you he's going to say stuff like there were some good things to build on and everything. He's probably going to protect them a bit considering how hard he went in on them after their loss uh, against the Flyers. But it's one of those things where it's not just about Myers either. We talk about him a lot. Pedersen tonight, another tough night, clearly looks banged up, had a couple points, but wasn't his wasn't the same player we've seen before. Outside of JT Miller line, I wouldn't say any line was really good tonight. And I thought they were probably the Canucks' best trio all night. Patterson, Besser, and, and PDG. And like somebody texted in here, how has Kuzmenko escaped criticism so far? It looks to be a shadow of how he performed last year. Yeah, that... He doesn't look... He, he hasn't looked noticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
had a bad play on the power play uh, mm-hmm. where he passes it back and was expecting someone to be there and there was nobody there. And suddenly there's this great opportunity that turns into a chance for Hagel and Torelli uh, to try to convert a chance uh, while shorthanded. Uh, and, and yeah, and I'm more concerned about uh, just from what we've seen that top line. Like I, I do think it, there is a world where Patterson and Garland are a good combo. But I, I don't know if Kuzmenko and Garland are a good combo. And so maybe, yeah, I, th- I think that's a problem. And, Again, my issue with Garland is he's a puck dominant yeah, player. And, All of a sudden now, there's less of the puck to go around. Kuzmenko needs it on a stick. Pedersen needs it on a stick. It doesn't work. Now I know someone texted in. We need more of a north south player. Is that a Bovillier for that? Until McKayev comes back, yeah. it might just be one or two games. I don't disagree. Yeah, I think so. Just but to Bovillier, inject a little bit more speed in that. I thought Bovillier had was a little bit better at times tonight. But but the thing again with him is like if we talk about earning it, what has he done to force the coach's hand? Totally. And that's the issue here, right? I think it was telling that Niels Hoganer got a chance ahead of him and Bavillier that he got only a short look and wasn't able to hold on to it. I think it's been telling. I think that's an indictment on how he's played. Marcus and Gibson texted in and said, uh, I guess Bavillier was only a throw-in then in, in the deal. The, the only other candidate I would say would be Niels Hoaglander and Ben Edmonds is looking for positives. I thought Hoaglander was driving a, yeah. his line. At least he looked like he can came to play. He had now, a, he had there a was that audition as well. Yeah, he had a good, yeah, he was an audition. You're right. But I actually thought, Bicklet, in that third, one of the few good shifts the Canucks had was led by Niels Hoaglander. So I'll give him some credit mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, man, there's so many text messages. You got a couple you to read before we go to the phone boards? Uh, 650, 650. Uh, again, the, the, the Myers related, but David Langley, uh, what point do they consider uh, taking Myers out to send a message? Uh, he's been horrendous this year. Split up Peronic and Cues and see what happens. Can it really be worse? Uh, that one seems to be gaining a lot of popularity, splitting Cues and Ronick, uh, just to kind of spread the wealth around. Uh, a lot of text coming in. Uh, this one, 650, 650. Trey in the I feel like they need to test these below average goalies more rarely uh, a clean shot on net, just not generating good shots right now. Something we talked about uh, earlier as well, just the, the high danger chances not being there right now. And uh, not even Toe Blake, Scotty Bowman, Joel Quenville, Barry Trotz combined uh, could write this sinking ship. That's from Mac and Penticton. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of that in the text inbox. A lot of that. I, I think it's fair for, for the, the, the Rick Tocket criticism right now. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, you know what? We, we have the head coach ready. Let's oh, get to we it. Go. We have head coach Rick, Rick Tocket. Here he is after the Canucks lose 4 Three in Tampa against the Lightning. Coach, better effort from your group tonight. Were you happier with, yeah. with that? Love the battle. Love the battle. So, uh, hats off the guys. They compete. Just got to clean up the, uh, you know, the, the crucial mistakes. There's three or four of them tonight that, you know, you can't, you know, we always talk about don't duplicate your mistakes. And I thought we did on a couple of those goals, right? Um, those are the difference. But I, for the overall team effort, it was really, guys played hard, you know, right to the end. Penalty kill, you give up two goals against and there's sort of the, the clearing attempt and then that and then that missed battle are, are those two of the errors you're talking about yeah i think our penalty kills penalty, penalty kills good i don't there's the the uh, percentage is not indicative of the uh, of our penalty kill it's it's very crucial mistakes at the wrong time what do you think of tyler myers's game well obviously you know you made that mistake on the first one um i wish he's you know Wish he stayed on his feet because that you know if he stays on his feet he probably stamp sample doesn't get the less like duplicate mistakes. I know he threw the puck away. That's the first mistake. But I think if he stays on his feet, so uh, you know he's gonna have to bounce back. You know we're we're got some people hurt, so he's got to we, we need him to to dial in for us. Not much margin for error against that team. Is there? 
No, it's, you know, we're up two to one. We're in control. I thought, I thought we played it really good. And then one of the F guys uh, dives in as F3 and gives him that, I think it was the second or third goal. Like, you, you know, you just got this, you know, this pressure, moments, and you really, you know, you got to make sure you, you be in the right spots at the right time. So, like I said, great effort. Uh, really happy with the team effort. It's just the four or five, I would say five, but maybe four crucial mistakes. Uh, you know, we got to give Demer a chance because he'll make the first one, but we got to make sure that we can get that, you know, clear the second one. Started the second period with one of those goals you've talked about often. First guy creates this puck and then get, find Besser in the scoring area. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, I don't know what the analytics, but I thought that line was dominant. They were, they had a lot of possession time. They, you know, they were doing the stuff they were talking about. You know, uh, we said that F3 we might be open against this team. Um, but that best bounced back from the last couple of games. He was really good. Millsy, obviously, good that. Uh, and then uh, Giuseppe, yeah, they were they were good tonight. What do you think of, it looked like some players perhaps heeding some of the commentary around them for the last 72 <clears throat> hours did skate hard work really hard today. Uh, a guy like Anthony Beauvillier, would, would he be uh, among those that you'd sort of look at and, and think that you got the response you were hoping for. Yeah, you know, like, I, you know, I thought he worked hard. You know, I thought I thought Joshua Dakota, I mean Dakota Joshua uh, keeps I was <laughs> going backwards. Uh, I thought he was really good tonight. You know, that's a this is where if he can string some of those games together for us, uh, we need that. I, I really I really liked his game tonight. Your impressions of Friedman? I thought he did. You know, obviously, you know that's a, that's a tough guy over there. I mean. I I mean, I, was, I wish we would have went down earlier, but uh, yeah, he gave us some minutes. You know, when we, you know, we obviously get Huggy and Heroic playing a lot of minutes. We need that, you know, those five, six guys. I thought Seuss was good too. I thought th- those guys in the second half really settled in. Seuss and Freeman, they gave us some good, minute, good, good minutes. You mentioned Pavillier uh, and, and Joshua. Maybe we mentioned Pavillier and mentioned Joshua. So that line obviously is doing something right, but they're not getting anything on the board. Is that is that a problem, or can you live with that if they're playing the way they are? Well, I mean, listen, you can live with it for a while, but you know we, they got to get some production, right? There's a, you know just a, the next level now for them. You know, even like Anthony, it's just a little more composure with the puck. You know, it's um, good. You know, that's the next level for him. You can work on that. That really helps us. But you know, his efforts obviously is trying. You know, he's digging for pucks. You know, he's going wide with the puck. You know, maybe, you know, if you watch um, just a little more composure, I think that uh, pucks will start going in for him. What do you think of the penalties against your club in the in the first, the, the slashing? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, it's every f- game. It's like we get three or four penalties, you know. I'd, and then, at the end, I thought, you know, not to blame the refs. They're trying, but, you know, you know the way it is. A tight game, they're not going to call. So it's like we got to learn early to keep the sticks down. It's on us. But... You know, and then you know, then there's no more calls after that. So you know, you, you know, you can't get out power played every game. I mean, it's been like that every, you know, pretty well, except I guess the first game. Um, yeah, that's uh, can't happen. You know, because you know, we we expend a lot of energy. You know, it's two power plays right off the bat. You know, and then uh, you know the other night four in Philadelphia. And it's it's just and we're overplaying some guys as it is. So we got to stay out of the, the box. And, you know, and they're. They're little pen, like they're hand penalties. Like we can deal with the. Like I didn't think Lafferty's was a penalty to be honest with you. That's a good hard play. I don't. I don't think that was a penalty. So we can live with that. With do you feel like you're losing a bunch of coin flips though, or or is, does there need to be a concerted effort to be in better position, be more disciplined as a group? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you, you you play inside. 
more on certain. And I thought we played inside. You're gonna, you know, you'll get more calls, right? Because it's harder to defend playing inside. So, yeah, no, it's got to be. It's on us to, to be disciplined. You know, the you know we got to show the refs that you know we're playing the game right and we want our sticks down. So we don't want to make the game easy for them to make calls. That's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 loss. He said he liked the guy's effort. He was positive about the game outside of a couple of crucial mistakes. And uh, he didn't bury Tyler Myers. He said, obviously, you know, he, he made a mistake. Didn't like the fact that he went down on uh, after the giveaway, which kind of made the mistake even worse. Um, didn't really talk about the other mistake, running into Pedersen. Yeah. And maybe it's one, that's one of those things that happened so quick that you go and watch the tape again and you're, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those things that coaches also, they always say, I got to watch the game again to truly know, like, some of the He's things. He's probably seen a clip of that. Yeah, he may have. Maybe he did. But they got he, iPads on the bench. Yeah, he didn't go in on it. He didn't go in on them, uh, on him, though. He said they need him because right now they have some guys hurt. And I looked over at you and I'm like, who's hurt? Are they, are, are they counting Tucker Pullman? Maybe they're waiting for Ethan Bear. <laughs> maybe Ethan Bear. That's a good one. That's a good one. But yeah, there's no injuries right now on the blue line. Yeah, well, Brisebois, technically. But he's a lefty. Is, is he going in over Myers? I don't know. I mean, he was going to make the team, maybe? Is, 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 he, is he playing minutes on, yeah. on the PK over Myers? Yeah. I mean, right now, might not be a bad option, but... <laughs> they don't have any other options. I mean, I'm, they do. I'm, I'm curious what they mean. They, I mean, technically, they do have other options. They could play Noah Juleson instead, but I don't think that's going to happen. The coach essentially just said they need him, and he has to get better. There's your answer. Yeah, that is your answer. But... Does it stand to uh, question that if and when they get healthy, he's out of the lineup? Yeah. Or they sign someone? I think it's pretty clear that if they have better options, he won't play. Or he'll get traded. Or they'll do, they'll do something with it, right? Um, this one says, from Corey and Cole Mox, when they interview, do you get the impression that Talkett is learning the refs are always going to be against his team? I, I think I think he was di- di- very diplomatic. I mean, he put a lot of onus on his own team. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I didn't see the, the stick on the hands, but the point he makes is you got to keep your stick down. Don't give the officials a chance to call it. And I think that's a fair point, as much as even, even, even if you didn't think that was a penalty. I agree with him about the first one. I didn't think that's a penalty, and he's being aggressive on the forecheck. But he's not wrong. They took some lazy penalties against the Flyers. Like, they have have been undisciplined i'm not sure i think tonight a couple calls went against them like that maybe don't always go against you he's right about the lafferty one we talked about that in the yeah. first intermission it's like he was at some distance away from the board uh, yeah and uh, dehan kind of turns last second into him as well mm-hmm. and it's not really hit from behind anyways a hit from the side so it's a bit of a tough call against them the other one again you make the point keep your stick down that's fine but they do have to be more disciplined I thought there were some calls that didn't go against them at times, that have gone against them at times. But against the Flyers, they also took a number of bad penalties. 650-650. This one, Rick Tocca can say whatever he wants. Post-game, he doesn't have the guts to scratch Tyler Myers. So much for accountability. Unsigned text. Uh, This one, uh, new coach, same team. Sad thing is Tocca is asking them to play Pro Hockey 101, and they can't do it. I'll say it all this year. His roster is poorly constructed. The players are unable, unwilling to play the style the coach wants. Also, they keep taking periods off, and it sinks them. That is Jordy from Winnipeg. All right. Uh, all right. Now, we'll get to more of your text messages. I like the, this one from Spiritual Advisor. I'm not worried. If the Oilers are 1-3 and three and we are 2-2, two and two, I think it's crazy to overreact. I will start to panic 15, 20 games in. That takes a more conservative, conservative approach into panic here and not panicking. All right. Let's get back to the phone boards and... Let's get a couple calls in before we hit the break here. Um, let's go to Steve in Victoria. Steve, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hi, guys. Um, thanks for taking the call. Listen, enjoy listening to the show. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, in the off season when they signed uh, 
uh, Car- you know, Susie and, and uh, Cole, the first thing I did was check to see if either of them could play the right side after last year. And I don't want to just talk about Tyler Myers. I want to just dig into two things sort of connected to it. And the first part of it is, if you're Elias Pettersson and you're sitting on the bench and Rick Tockett's playing this guy and he's hurting the team and the team's losing, are you really sure you want to sign long-term with this team? And the other aspect is, if you go on Ticketmaster right now, you can buy tickets for the Canucks in Toronto and the Canucks in Montreal at the, ho- the home games here, there's tickets right from the box office. There's resale tickets. If I was um, running the Canucks, I would be concerned about those two things. So, um, again, you know, maybe this plays out like a scene from Moneyball where later in the year, Alvin walks into Tockett's office and says, I want you to play, my- I want you to play Cole in Myers' spot on the right side. And Tockett says, no, I'm playing Myers on the right side. And then Alvin says, no, you can't play him on the right side because he plays for San Jose now. <laughs> All right, Steve. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, just wouldn't mind your, your thoughts on those two things. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for the phone call. I mean, uh, in terms of, okay, so I think the first point was, uh, Look, Pedersen, we, we, will Pedersen sign long-term? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if this team doesn't make progress and they have a tough season and miss the playoffs and the future doesn't look very bright, it's good chance Pedersen I, says you, you better. He may he probably pulls a Kachuk and says, "Hey, I'm not coming back after next year, so you may it may as well move me." It so might be in your best interest to move me now rather than wait yes. to see what happens in a year. Now, I don't know if the uh, Pedersen internal decision making is based on Tyler Myers's minutes, no, but I think it's based on if the team has success and yes. you know who's hindering success right now. Tyler Myers. Myers, yes, he is hindering success. He's but I don't think better. it's deliberately like, well, this guy's getting 18 minutes a night. I don't know if I trust yeah. this team. Uh, well, but I understand your overarching point there, Steve. But it, it, it's it's true. Like, one of Susie and Cole have to go play on the right side. I agree. I agree. Um, I agree with that as well. And in terms of people not showing up or whatever later, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, Mark is trying to buy in, and the team has to play well. This text comes in four games. Four games. And it's true. It's only four games into the season. There's 78 to go. It's the same thing we've talked about, though, Bick, right? There is a lot of PTSD over, like, what's happened. And a lot of the same things have happened again. I mean, hey, last game, it was a no-show. Tonight was not a no-show. It wasn't a no-show, right? The other game was a no-show. This one was a player who, ever since he's been signed, has had some moments where maybe he wasn't as bad as people made him out to be. But the last couple years have been rough. This year, last year was very rough. This year, it started off very rough. And then same things are happening again, costing the team in games. And it's very easy for FIFA fans to react that way. So I, I, I don't, I'm honestly not upset with anybody who thinks the sky is falling or is very critical right now. Like, hey, listen, I, I get it. I get it. They have to show to you that they've changed. And so far, they haven't. Great first game. And since then, they haven't been able to replicate that type of performance. All right. Uh, do you have something else? You want no, to it's all right. All right. We'll get back to more of your thoughts, and also we'll do some more analysis. There was more to the game outside of Tyler Myers. Mark Friedman played his first game. And also, there were some really good questions about what they want to see from certain guys and what could happen with this roster. We'll discuss that and more. It's Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Demko makes the save. Janot and Friedman drop the gloves in front of the net. Mark Friedman with a scrap in his first game as a Canuck. Janot's got the right hand free, trying to land some uppercuts. Friedman looking to hang on as Janot bullies him to the ice. Friedman trying to keep his feet. Janot catches him on the back of the head with a right hand, and the linesmen get in and separate them. Mark Friedman punching above his weight here in a tilt with Tanner Janot, who's one of the tougher guys in the league at his weight class. First eyes on Friedman as a Canuck. Went up against Tanner Janot. Tough customer. Well, didn't really fare well, but he gave him credit for going up a couple of weight classes. Uh, however, the Canucks, just like he lost that tilt, lost the game 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. A lot of different takes coming in tonight, of course. We'll get to a, a few different ones. Uh, this one's coming in a few times. Mike from Surrey was right after game two. Uh, Randy from Burnaby. I think we all owe Mike from Surrey an apology. He was right. This w- it was this team is truly pathetic. Hashtag Mike was right. We've had a few of those text messages. The inbox in. doesn't forget. They don't forget. Uh, this one, uh, Knucklehead in the Kootenays. Too much whining going on tonight. Two weeks ago, if someone said we would be 2-2 two and two after four games, all the whiners would have been overjoyed. Uh, yes, I get that. Uh, but again, that's what makes this uh, market so fantastic is the, the attention to detail. And just like we said earlier, it's it's not that they're two and two. It's the way that they're two and two. I mean, it's, it's always the same thing with this team. It's not just about losing. It's about how you lose. And that's kind of been the story. And again, it's early in the season. It's going to take time to figure stuff out to truly know what this team is and isn't. It hasn't been promising, obviously, from a, from a process standpoint. But I do think the sentiment of it's four games in is also one that we all have to heed. It is only four games in. And uh, a bunch of road games. But yes. still, uh, yeah. Hey, listen. We can only you can win on the road too. What we ha- what 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 we have been saying for the past few years, especially at times when we've been critical, is listen. All we can do is analyze what they put on ice. Correct. And if what they put on ice deserves more criticism than praise, it is what it is, right? And that's kind of been the case these last two games, at the very least. And yeah, they found a way to win that second game. You don't want to, you know, be too critical of, 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 of winning a game you expected to lose in Edmonton to start their season who was hot and wanted to come after you after you beat them 8-1. They won that game. You gave credit for hanging on and winning. But, yeah, it hasn't been pretty at times. But, again, tonight, Vic, like, I don't think it was a disaster. I think, I think there was a lot of good in terms of how they're playing 5-on-5 five five and things they can do. It's also obvious, like people have been pointing out, this roster still needs to be ironed out in some ways. One, obviously, as we've been discussing, is fixing that back end, which I think is a huge priority. And, you know, we joke about Ethan Bear and when he's coming back. I do think as soon as he's healthy and he's eligible to get signed, I think the Canucks are going to get on top of that and get that done, right? So but I'm remember, expecting so, like, to see that, but that's going to be a while. It's, like, it's, it's still a like guy that it's, it's not as if he like had a training camp. It's, it's, it's going to take a little bit for him to even get up to speed. Yeah, the hope is on like you. The hope is that if you get him, let's say you get him signed in late December, for argument's sake, right? Your hope is at that point you get a good version of him by late late Feb, early. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of and that's realistic. And the good thing in that would be that if you're competitive, you add that player late in the season. It's like a trade deadline addition. You can do other things potentially, and it puts you in a good position to close the season. But if you're playing catch up when Ethan Bear is coming back. He's not going to be the guy that's going to put you over the top. He's the type of guy that may help put you over the top to being more competitive later in the season. 
but you need to be competitive until you get to that point. 650-650. Last year, the penalty kill did us in. It was the same story every night and so hard to watch. This year, it's our defense, specifically Myers. Uh, new game, same story. And, and you know, like last year, I know Ian McIntyre used to say, the you know, penalty kill was so bad, you were essentially coming into a game down yeah. one nothing because you know you're taking a penalty at some point. Your, your coin flip probability right now to give one up. So you're coming to every game down one nothing, And and right now, it, it feels that way because uh, you're, you're giving out 18 minutes to Tyler Myers. And as it stands right now, these last two games uh, have not gone well. Now, tonight he played 15-58. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, two goals that directly involved with. Now, he scored the one himself. But uh, two goals were basically, and, and they were both on the penalty kill. And by and large, like I would say, the penalty kill played pretty good. And Rick Tockett was even saying, like our our percentage on the pe- on the penalty kill is not reflective of the way they think they're playing. And I'd agree with that. But when these two egregious mistakes lead to two easy opportunities and put Pew Suter and Carson Susi in just awful spots to try to cover a three on two down low, and Carson Susi, like, just so unfortunate there because he's a, he's. A, Trying to do the best he can. He's, he's kind of playing rock, paper, scissors. He's like, do I take Nick Paul? Do I jump to the slot? Do I watch Nikita Kucherov? It's w- whichever way you guess, you can be wrong. And Nick Paul exploits it. And I actually think, you know, I actually didn't mind the way Carson Susi played. I thought Carson, these two games have been very encouraging. I think for large parts, I think he did play very well. There were things I really liked about his game as well. And I thought in the offensive end, he made a couple of good plays mm-hmm. too. He hit the post the other game. One of the more threatening opportunities the Canucks had. One of the very few uh, in Philadelphia. But tonight, I thought he was overall pretty solid. I thought, and, and people have been texting, and we got a few texts. One of them said, "If I think Philip Peronix has been great. He had six uh, shots. He, uh, he, had, uh, he had a couple block shots. He had a few uh, hits. Um, he did a bit of everything tonight, so he filled the box score in that sense. These six hits or six shots? Uh, six shots. Six he, shots he actually yeah. uh, had a full night. Uh, six shots, a uh, hit, uh, and two block shots. Yeah. Along with JT Miller had a full night, too. And I thought JT was strong, too. I know somebody texted But here's him. the thing. You mentioned, and, and it's a great point by the texter, six shots on goal for Philip Peronik, four for Quinn Hughes. A lot from the blue line. It is a lot from the blue line. I mean, and it's we're, a lot from the outside. We're looking for high danger chances. Getting inside. Ten of your twenty nine shots came from Hughes and and Hughes and Hronick. Yeah, and I will say though, Tampa has struggled the first few games of the season, but I do think when they're playing their best, they're actually um, very good. I think when they're playing, uh, I lost my. What we're we talking about right now? Tampa. Tampa. Uh, oh yeah, actually, you know what? I, I thought when, when, early they, they had their struggles, but I thought. They did a good job of keeping things to the outside mm-hmm. tonight and not letting you get inside. And that's one of the things they do very well. So you have to also factor that in. And once Actually, they had the lead, they really closed the game out strong in that sense. A closer look at it here, too. Uh, Quinn had s- uh, seven attempts uh, that were either missed or blocked as well. Yeah. So he was a, a heavy volume shooter tonight. No, he was, right? Um, so I'd say, and I've seen some people mentioning on Philip Heronik, this one says... Um, I think he's been a bit underwhelming since coming over to Vancouver. Uh, what do you guys think of him, Justin the Coots? He seems to be the line between subtle and under, subtle and underwhelming. What's your first four-game four impression of Philip Aronik? I've liked mostly what I've seen from Philip Aronik. Mm-hmm. I do think the... Um, the first two games, I thought he was fantastic. I thought so, too. Yeah, struggled, obviously. Uh, the other game, I thought tonight he was strong overall. And I think the underwhelming part is when you have a defenseman who can play calm, you're just not going to 
Mm-hmm. They're going to do a lot of things where you sometimes see a guy be more, let's say, adventurous, where he's not going to be. And you'll see at times they'll kind of go back and and, fig, and rest more on being in a defensive shell, which I think is something that you want to see from time to time. But I'd say my first impressions of Philip Peroni, these first four games have been generally positive. Yeah. Um, now, I, I I do want to see maybe him on his own pair away from Hughes. Just, yes, well, just that's the, it goes it, back it, to the whole pairing thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more of a Myers thing than it is a Hronick thing. But I, I, I've been pleased with uh, Philip Hronick. Um, I, I guess it's curious to people's expectations. What do they think that they were going to see? Like a, a Quinn Hughes righty version? That's not really who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's been very forceful. And uh, a smart player, a couple of turnovers uh, these last two games. But I, I do think that uh, gets cleaned up, and I, I've been I- impressed with Philip Ronick so far. Yeah, so have I. 25 uh, minutes tonight as well. Yeah, he played, a lot of, he played a lot of minutes. This one says, I disagree. They needed they needed a good start. Two and two is not good enough. Um, I doubt they're, they'd be happy about it. And it's not like it's a good start. It's more about... Early in the season, you don't want to be in a hole. If you're two and two, it's like it's not the end of the world. Like you're you're still in a spot where you went two in a row, and all of a sudden you're sitting here four and two. Like you don't want your season sunk, like we've seen here in the thing, past, right? And you have to factor in starting five games on a road. It's not going to be easy. The first two games against Edmonton, and nobody expected him to win the first two. Like so, you factor all that stuff in, and I get it, but they have to do better. Like we're talking about. A couple games in, uh, this per- this text message says, uh, I don't think this is too early. The sample size is there. It's, not, it's just not here. Uh, great show tonight, guys. Yes, Mike was right. I just didn't want to hear it. So, I mean, there are people saying it's not too early and they're frustrated. And again, like, get your takes off. It's all good, man. Like, get it off your chest. Like, I, I get it. But ultimately, it's more about how does this look after 10 games? How does this look, again, November 2nd? American Thanksgiving, Friedman always, Elliot Friedman always cites this um, percentage. What, 15% of teams, only 15% of teams make the playoffs if they're not within four, at least four points of a playoff spot? Come American Thanksgiving? Yeah. When is American Thanksgiving this November, year? Uh, November 28th, is it? 23rd. 23rd. There we go. Oh, I'll be here before you know it. Yeah, so that's coming up pretty quick, just over a month away. So by that point, yeah, if the Canucks at that point are, say, six or so points out of a playoff spot, Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think there's seven, 17 games till then. Yeah, we'll see what they do Quick until mass. that point. Yeah, and again, like, 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 if we're at a spot where we're sitting here at game 12 and they're four, you know, eight and two or something. Oh, goodness. What? Then it's like, okay, I get it. You're probably not yes. going to be there. I get it. But if you're sitting here after the first 12 games at even six and six... Or five, five, and you know two, or whatever. You can grow into the season. Yes, you have a chance to still kind of get in there, and that's kind of. But that's how you why these first six weeks are important. Yeah, and and there should be a level of urgency to try to get some of this stuff right, and you know you can experiment with some things, but also you do have to bank some points. And you know we've mentioned the defense, and and the other one I would I would try to experiment with right now is um, Beauvillier maybe swapping with Garland. Um, now, I, it was Joshua that kind of got the, the boost tonight. He went up for PDG for a bit. Um, is that an experiment? You, you, you try to break up PDG with Miller and Besser? I think that's been yeah. the best line. Somebody asked the question earlier, what did you guys think of PDG? He's been a good story. How's he, how does he take that next step as a player? And I think it's a fair question, but I think for him it's more about can you stick where you're at? And he had a couple of points, and I don't think he's been as good since he was the first game, the second game. I thought he was a bit better tonight. The second, you know, obviously in Philly, like everybody else outside of Demko, he he struggled mightily. But 
I think for him, it's more about can he maintain what he's doing? I'm not sure there's a higher ceiling there. Like, I'm not sure there's this mm-hmm. player that's going to be, you know, a 60-point player or a 50-point player. I think it's more about can he stick there all season and the team feels like even if he picks up 30-some points, 15, 12 goals or something, that he helps that line? I think that's what you're looking for. Like, he's never had a season like that yet. So that's where how I view PDG. And I just don't know if there's enough offensive juice to really expect a lot more. Tonight was probably a night where, okay, it's, it's fine to cycle off and yeah. say... The the puck retention wasn't there. Not that he turned the puck over, but he just wasn't as active as we've seen PDG be very active and earn his ice time. So I understand why Dakota Joshua uh, flipped up for a little bit. But right now, if you're trying to change anything as far as the forward groups and maybe get a bit more juice in there, yeah, Beauvillier or Hoaglander to me would go with Kuzmenko and Pedersen to maybe spark that a bit. Uh, do you put Garland and Suter back together? That was the preseason yeah. pairing and just prepare for when Mikheyev comes back at some point. But right now, um, outside of that Miller-Besser combo, uh, they do need a little bit more. And, and look, there's a lot of questions coming in about uh, Pedersen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, when you're in, in such a focus, we kind of went through this last year with Horvat, and we've gone through this before with like JT Miller's contract and all that sort of stuff. When you're in a contract year, there's going to be a lot of focus on, on you. And yeah. if, if you want $11.5 million, there's going to be a lot of people saying, okay, well, we need production all of the time then. And it started with four points and then two points, uh, and then back-to-back gains here. He had uh, two points tonight, though, two assists. PD Pedersen? That's right. Actually, yeah. 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 So, I mean, he had, he had a couple points tonight. Um, but I mean, I do agree that his line was not as effective. Mm-hmm. I know, if, but it's funny because like we didn't notice him creating a ton of scoring chances. But if you actually look at uh, them as a line in terms of how they handled um, uh, the point line, the point, just the the possession and everything mm-hmm. like that, um, they they actually had an eighty. They they controlled eighty one percent of the shot share when they were on the ice. They didn't create too many scoring chances though. I mean, they had two high danger scoring chances for none against. So I thought they were fine. I, I'm like zero concern over Elias Pettersson. No, I know. I'm, I'm just saying there are there are people texting. It. I, I I agree. But so I mean, from their line was very effective in terms of controlling play tonight five on five. I do agree though. They didn't generate much offense. I think the line that generated the most offense tonight was the line of J T Miller, P D G, and Brock Besser. I mean, not only did they get a couple goals on the board. But uh, I think they were on the ice for more scoring chances for as well. Yeah, they had, they were on the ice for nine scoring chances for versus six for the Pedersen line. So uh, there wasn't just a lot of offense being generated outside of some shots when they were on the ice and limiting shots against, which at the end of the day, like you're playing a team like Tampa. They're on the ice. They're not being victimized. They're controlling the game. They're keeping the puck on the other end. So I still think it was a positive night, but it does doesn't look like Pedersen has the same type of effectiveness night right now as he had earlier the first two games and maybe that is a byproduct of mm-hmm. being a bit banged up uh you know t- tonight would have been one of those lower event nights had we not yeah. seen those two power play goals yeah um but five on five it was you know the, the late flurry in the second period uh tampa gets a lot of chances there but it would have been one of those lower event nights and i think this is what you're going to see a lot of this year is uh, a lot of three two style games and there's a lot of people questioning. You just be like, hey, how come Vancouver doesn't get a lot of odd men rushes? Well, they're trying to play very compact and conservative hockey. Well, yeah, they're, tr- they're, they're trying. And when you do that, you simply can't be making these egregious mistakes. And that's kind of what, again, it comes back to the story of this game. And that's where a lot of the discussion has been. Now, we are going to chat with Ian McIntyre coming up on the other side. So we'll get his thoughts from Tampa about what we saw and especially around a player like Tyler Myers. We'll get to more of your text messages and we'll get to more of your phone calls as well. 
well. Plus, we'll hear from Brock Besser. Uh, the, the other thing, though, I did want to bring up Thatcher Demko here real quick as well, Vic, because he was fantastic. Sparkling once again. But he also had a couple goals maybe that w- sure. weren't, weren't great. So, and, and I'm not blaming the loss on him at all. But like, how do we view his night? It was spectacular. But also, I think the shot uh, by Essimont, Yeah, I think that's the one that maybe you want to have back. Especially considering how good he was leading up to that. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a surprise. You can understand, like, hey, if you're off one night, it happens. But he, he was so sharp. And it, it was the flurry of chances maybe start to uh, load up and you lose your net a little bit. But so much of what we're talking about with Pedersen. It's like, I'm not worried about Pedersen. I'm not worried about Demko. Uh, we had a question. Do you start to Smith the next game? It's, no. You, you put Demko back in. So He's which, playing really well. It sounds like Tockett is going to give DeSmith a game this road trip. Is he getting the last game of the road trip then against the Preds? Give um, Demko all the time before the, the home game? Maybe that's I'm it. Fine with we'll it. see. Although we'll a see. lot of days off here. Uh, there are a few days three off. Three days between the, the Nashville yeah. game and three days between the St. Louis game. Yeah. All right. We'll get to more on the other side. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar after the Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. Thanks to those listening on the network. We'll be back here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Comes back to the line. Radish with a long shot blocked. Rebound. What a save by Demko. He robbed Barre Boulay. And Miller clears it high off the glass and out to center. As the Canucks couldn't clear that opportunity in the slot, and if not for Thatcher Demko, it might be 2-1 Tampa Bay. There's been a lot of discussion about the, in this game about power plays and mistakes, but Thatcher Demko is on one right now, looking very confident. Myers across the lightning line, shoots, he scores! Tyler Myers with a drive for the right point as the Canucks forced a turnover at the lightning line. And the big defenseman who coughed up the puck on the Lightning's first goal of the game has scored the go-ahead marker for Vancouver. And that is a heavy shot by Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers scored a goal. Also, a lot of hectic, chaotic moments. The Canucks lose 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages. We'll hear from Brock Besser. Plus, uh, we are going to have Ian McIntyre on the show. Now, uh, before we, we, we get to all that, we heard the saves from uh, Thatcher Demko tonight. He made a number of big saves. Uh, somebody sent this thought in as well. We were talking about Pedersen. Uh, PD leads the league in points. Yeah. That's what this text message says. I, I, I'm just relaying what's happening in the inbox. Yeah, well, hey, listen. There, there, there are criticisms. There are criticisms. People I don't think. agree with them, but we, we try to present every opinion that comes into the inbox. Yeah, they, they come in. There, there are a lot of opinions. Fans have their say. They, they do have their say. Um... This one but says, yes. uh, we started the season with no top line. That's on management. Mikheyev is underrated. I agree with that Mikheyev is underrated. This game was close, is what that I'm really says. excited for when Mikheyev comes back. Yeah. Not just because, like, hey, fantastic for him, recover over that injury, but there was a dynamic, and, and especially when considering we're talking about Mikheyev not even at full speed, there was a very exciting dynamic of Pedersen and Mikheyev together of how they forechecked. Mm-hmm. And if... McCabe comes back and he's full go. I'm really excited to see those two guys again. 
Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think both those guys would step into the lineup and help in a big way. And I think it would help stabilize things. And at that point, I'd be curious to see how the team would look. And, and they would add some much-needed speed. Mm-hmm. You put Mikheyev and Bluger into the lineup, this team needs more speed. And I think that would help them, especially in that top line as well. Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen, uh, before you get to this, Bic, you can lose... Uh, you can lose a season from the start, but you can't win a season from the start. They're 500. It could be a lot worse. Don't hit the panic button yet. That's Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, Raymond was texting in earlier, uh, just mentioning about speed. They are a slow team. They never generate odd man rushes. Tampa had more 2-1s than the Canucks have had all year. And so McCabe will, will spark an element for that as well and hopefully generate some offensive zone turnovers as well. Yeah, uh, we, we hope to see that at the very least. Uh, this one says, let's see how they look in two weeks. Obviously, they need to become better. McCabe, McCabe and Bears should help. Hope PDG stays with Miller and Besser go Canucks. So, yeah, there is some positivity as well. Uh, David from Kelowna says, I've seen players turn it around. A lot of new faces. It must be hard to gel soon. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, some guys give up some blind passes. but And he also says, gives a jokes per 60. On a jokes per 60, Patterson's goal song should be Pink Floyd's Money. Don't forget, Myers got gold for our country. He may change. Well, we certainly hope they change, that he changes, because the team, as as the he was on the world said, championship team. Yeah, facts only. Five facts only. All right. Uh, so I, was Ethan Bear. Yeah, and he got hurt. Yeah. So you know, but like, yes, Ethan Bear was on the team. He, <laughs> he shows up on this team. So Both. Like, oh, all of a sudden, you now you have two champions. Yeah. All right. Uh, what can I better than a trade deadline acquisition? Um, all right, uh, let's go to the phone boards. Gary in Maple Ridge has been waiting patiently to get on. Gary, oh, no, we just lost Gary. All right, just dropped. All right, uh, we'll hit that coming up a bit later on. Uh, we mentioned Brock Besser. Uh, here is the Canucks forward after the Canucks lost 4-3 in Tampa against the Lightning. Yeah, I mean, I thought we played a much better game than last game. And, um, you know, I thought we were pretty good until the, you know, when they got a few at the end of the second there. And, um, you know, it's just those small letdowns that you can't have can't have and um they're just little details little mistakes that we got to clean up and um i mean other teams get hockey team they're going to make a push we just got to weather the storm and try and get to the end of the period there so um i thought it was a much much better effort from our our team and we just got to build on it do you at least like that you guys didn't go away meekly tonight that the last five minutes you were able to push yeah for sure um it's obviously unfortunate they got you know another goal there early in the third and um but I thought we did a good job of, you know, not quitting and pushing back and doing the best we can to try and tie that game. Your line seems to, like, the, the goal you get tonight early in the first, it's a lot like the first one you get against the Oilers, right, where it's a quick turnaround, JT finds you. Um, <clears throat> is that something that can be a template goal for your line? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think we started building that chemistry, kind of, you know, just reading off each other um, regarding the four check and, you know, just... Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at finding that spot in, in Millsy and Phil are, you know, good down low. So, um, But, you know, I tried to get more involved down low with them tonight. And um, I thought we played a much better game. We got some good looks. And um, obviously we don't want to give up that one uh, late in the second. That is Brock Besser after scoring a goal tonight. He's up to five on the season, six points on the campaign, four games in. And he mentioned uh, how that line was effective tonight. And they were the Canucks' best line tonight. They generated chances. They were generally good defensively. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but I thought overall that, that was a very strong game from that line. I know a goal happened when they were out on the ice together, but it was hard to blame them. There was some traffic in front of the net. Um, it was a shot uh, from what? Like from distance as well that went in. Uh, Demko couldn't see it, but 
I mean, it wasn't really a scoring chance. So, it's, mm-hmm. it, and it wasn't like they were giving the puck away or running around their own end. So it's tough to be critical on them from that end. But Brock Besser, you can't imagine a better start for him personally to have five goals in four games. And in terms of building an identity, I'd say that's the line, the only line that so far this season has at least established what they are and how they're going to do things. And also following the principles, I imagine, what the coach wants to see as mm-hmm. well, right? Forechecking, create turnovers, and get the puck quickly to the net. And you know Brock has done such a great job, I think, playing off of Miller, who's having success, you know, finding these turnovers and, and these takeaway opportunities, and either paired with PDG, what the, the loose pucks that are created along the wall. Miller's done a good job of, of quickly operating, and so it, it's great to you know get the puck and, and move it quickly. Well, someone's got to be available for you mm-hmm. to kind of create this chance. And the goalie scored against the Oilers, the one kind of just inside the circles. That's off his stick really quickly tonight. Does a great job just kind of opening up just enough space. You know, Braden Point's a really good defensive center, yeah. one of the bets in the league. There he is covering the side of net. He thinks he's got enough uh, stick there in the way, and, and there's just a sliver of space. JT puts it around. Brock gets it there. And this is the part I really like. Works through contact because mm-hmm. Barboule was coming down, kind of interferes with with Brock's shot, but gets it off quickly, strong on the puck in that moment, and up over Johansson. So this is a very encouraging start for Brock, and it, I you, you would hope it continues, especially on, on the power play once that uh, uh, gets more opportunities. Yeah, once they draw some penalties, which would have to happen when you dictate play. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I thought tonight they were generally pretty good. They weren't bad, but they weren't able to really get in, get inside to create enough chances to be able to draw penalties anyways. And it wasn't like they had a ton of transition chances where they were forcing Tampa into mistakes either. It was more about, like you mentioned, a controlled low event game. And yes, there's a lot more offense that they can create as a group as well. I would say on JT, I, I thought JT Bick was the Canucks best skater tonight. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, like he, I mean, not only was he, you know, playing hard along the boards, like he showed burst, like you and I both mm-hmm. referenced uh, in the, in the inter- intermission, a play in the first period where he shows like a real burst coming down the wing, going downhill, beating his man, taking the puck to the net. I think the thing with JT, and I think part of the reason why he is so effective, it's not just because he's big and strong, he's good along the boards, but he's actually an effective skater, and he's got burst in his skating. I think, and that also helps him oftentimes beat guys and get inside. Like he can be really dynamic in a real powerful way, and we saw that at times tonight. And when JT plays this way, he can be a real force. And tonight he was. I know we're going to talk to Ian McIntyre. Imagine he'll he'll wax poetic about JT Miller's game tonight. And yeah, he was he was on it. Um, creates the um, assist for Brock and yeah. is in the right spot for that uh, last goal, consolation goal, right at the end. But you know there were other opportunities, and you know he kind of goes short side on that play and, and works around Hagel. Uh, to try to get that chance we were talking about in the uh, first period. And actually, uh, a credit to Dakota Joshua as well, because I think he's the one that pressured that puck initially. Right. So I imagine that's the thing that's, you know, big check uh, box for Rick Tockett, why you get that boost later on in the game. But that's the best version of JT, where he, he's he's flying around the ice. He's got that anger 
and he he, he plays angry, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the version of that we've always wanted to see, where when you channel that emotion correctly, you see a player like this tonight, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the thing for him to kind of make sure those switches are always working. That it's 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 funneled the right direction, pushing a positive performance. Yeah, and uh, I just think when JT can impact a game, and that's where you have Pedersen's line going, those two guys can go in, and I think those two lines, both at the very least, we mentioned the Pedersen line. You know, they weren't generating chance after chance, but they control play. You have the Miller line controlling play and also generating chances. And that's why I say it's a bit disappointing tonight that you had some things going for you. You played a generally clean game. If it wasn't for a couple mistakes, like you'd maybe get something out of this game. Demko overall was pretty good. And that's why those, those, those mistakes that cost you are just so detrimental, you know, and that's why generally, even though they lost this game, and I know the manner in which Myers made mistakes, but I'm not as down on this performance overall because I do think there are some positives that they can build on and do better on. It's just you just can't keep costing yourself because these last two games, they cost themselves by not no, by no, by no showing against Tampa, and they cost themselves tonight with a number of critical mistakes. And in that second... Is it the volume of, of opportunities that you say maybe that leads to a little bit of slippage in Demko? Yeah, well, I think I think that's fair because I think one of the other things we didn't like about the game, and the coach didn't really get into this, but I did think that especially when they took the 3-2 lead, mm-hmm. the Canucks just completely fell apart. It became a fire drill for the final five minutes of well, that really, period. Well, really, the 2-2 goal. Because yeah, then yeah. it falls right on yeah. the, the heels of, of, of Kucherov scoring that goal after... Uh, after Asamont yes, scores the goal. But it was on the power play, though, so it was kind of like... Yeah, you but know, it, it, I agree. it's a minute and nine seconds I, later. I agree. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. And from that point on, it was... I mean, they were lucky to not go down by more. But at the very least, they got to the third, and the game kind of settled down a little bit. But then they give up the other one, and all of a sudden, now you're down 4-2, and the game's just, you know... And they made a bit of push towards the end. But it feels like it was a game, especially with how those top two lines played the whole game. At, at no point were they under duress by the opposition, which I think shows a lot of good qualities for Pedersen as a center and, of course, that, that Miller line. It's just not capitalizing on that. Because I, I do think, that, and, I, and I bet you I'm going to feel this even more after I rewatch the game, I'm going to feel like it was a real missed opportunity in Tampa this time of the season against a team like the Lightning to not come away with something. Well, especially because it's not Andre Vasilevsky playing. Well, that too, of, of course, of course. Like, that's, that's a, a huge, huge thing. Yeah. It's... You would have liked to have gotten one out of this game, yeah. Just to say, hey, like their 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 star player, their star goalie, who makes it so difficult. And it could have been a scenario where the backup plays, anyways. But the the task was easier for you tonight because Vasilevsky is out to begin the year, yeah. And maybe he's back by December twelfth. I, I would suspect he is, but like this was an opportunity if if you're if you're firing on all cylinders or at least uh you know not making critical mistakes you, you give yourself a chance to get something out of this game when they're playing a weakened goalie yeah no no doubt about that uh we did get some jokes for 60 we got one that I wanted to read a bit earlier uh from locust Loc- locutus of borg I don't know. Locus of Borg, I'm not sure. Uh, the only Canuck exceeding expectations of Florida tonight was OEL scoring against the Leafs. He's got two points on the year. Yeah, two only. points on the year and for the, all of Ruckman Larson. And he is the Canucks' next opponent. They play the Florida Panthers on Saturday. Uh, this one says, uh, the Canucks are getting pushed around. Poor Friedman had no business getting beat down by Janot, uh, but we have no one else that can step up. Talkin must be annoyed watching all the Canucks getting ragdolled. They were also mixing it up in front of the net. It's, it's, it's not as if there was like waiting for Dakota Joshua and Janot to go after it. It was yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. Just, I, I would say 
I do agree that the Canucks are not a tough team. And the only way they're going to be tough is by doing it by committee, which I know it's kind of the buzzword about this team. But they have to Wolfpack. Be, yeah, exactly. Like, it has to be a couple guys jumping in. And I don't mean fighting, you know, you know, jumping a guy and, you know, fighting a guy or whatever, but just in terms of scrums and sticking up for one another. And I think for them to, to be hard to play against, it's not going to be because they're going to be hitting teams out of the building. It's because of what they did in that first game. And we mm-hmm. saw the template. Puck pursuit out over the ice. Contest every every inch of the ice. Get on top of guys. Have a good stick. Disrupt play. You know, Finish your checks. Battle hard in the corners. You know what it comes down to? Dedication, hard work, and being switched on. Like, that's what it comes will. down to. It, 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 really, it really does. Like, it's it's not even about like, oh, this guy can do this, this guy can do this. Yeah. It's, it's what are you willing to do? Yeah. And like, that's why after game one I reference, like, this is now a Rick talk at reference point. Mm-hmm. He can say, don't tell me this isn't in you because you Great. just did it to a divisional opponent that has Stanley Cup aspirations. Yeah, it's from opener and everything like that. But if, if I need to call back to this moment, I can call back to it because I've seen you guys do it. This is not we, – we have proof of concept over it. And at some point, we, that has to show out again where they are as active as they were and as tenacious as they were in the first game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they have to get back to being able to put a performance like that back together just from an effort standpoint. But I do think tonight there were things they can build on. It comes back to Tyler Myers. And the coach mentioned that he's a guy that obviously they need more of. There's a much you can do in terms of the roster. I know people And he's not going anywhere. And now we saw Mark Friedman play his first game. So we'll talk to IMAC who joins us right now. The man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. Wow. My ears. There we go. <laughs> I feel better now. Do the Canucks feel better? Should they feel better with a a response and a far superior effort to what they had in Philadelphia, or should they be past the point of moral victories? To me, you know what? Yeah, past the point. I actually view this as, yeah, to answer your question, past the point, and also view this as a missed opportunity. I thought they did a lot of good things, and if they don't shoot themselves in the foot with some critical mistakes, they may come away from this game with something to show for it. So I think it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm kind of that way as well. I'm I'm about three quarters of my way through my column, and that's, that's one of the themes because, uh, you know, let's give credit to the Lightning and – you know, they've got players on their team who are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, they've won two Stanley Cups. So this is a, a good team, and a much better team than Philadelphia. Part of the irony, though, is if, if the Canucks had played this way on Tuesday, they would have won that game mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, against, against the Flyers. But, I mean, Tampa was very good in a lot of areas tonight. But, you know, the Canucks are still up 2-1 on the road late in the third period. And... For a lot of that time, we're actually in pretty pretty good control of of the game. You know, uh, the last half of the first period, the the great start in the second, and then even though the Lightning were starting to generate more shots in the middle middle of the period, they weren't really under siege. But it's just the you know the big the big mistakes, and obviously there was a big mistake by. By Tyler Myers on the on the first power play goal, he made another mistake on the second one. But on the second one, I think every penalty killer on the ice for the Canucks 
made a mistake. I mean, it was a chain reaction that began with with Myers. Well, maybe Pedersen's mistake was just having Myers fall on him, so that's not really a mistake. <laughs> but you know, the 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 tying goal, the the terrible line change, and I, I've gone back and looked and tried to figure out exactly what happened. I still haven't because it, you know it's all going on behind the play about who's going off and and who's coming on, but. There's no way that uh, a guy should be left with an entire open channel to the net like uh, Asimont was. Uh, And so you just, you know, big mistakes against uh, a a big, good team uh, is going to hurt you more times than not. And so I I think it was a bit of a missed opportunity. I think they... They did well enough to get something from this game, but they got nothing from it. That all said, the, the response was absolutely essential. You know, if they didn't respond after the Philadelphia game, especially with what their coach said about them, then I think there'd be bigger concerns than simply the individual mistakes. But, you know, if this team is going to make the playoffs, they can't afford to to let games slip away with getting nothing when they might have had something. Uh, you referenced Tyler Myers. Um, now, like, he's he's a better player than what we've seen these last two games, okay? I think everyone knows that. But in the meantime, uh, uh, what are Rick Tockett's solutions to try to mitigate the impact here? Because he, he referenced, like, he... He he said we're like guys are banged up, but like the, they don't have people hurt on the blue line. Um, that's what are the options here for Rick Tockett? Do, does he have to break up Hughes and Roenick? Does he put Cole and Susie uh, on the right side? Like what should be done right now? Well, they do have they are missing the, the third pairing guy, a guy who would probably be playing in in Breezebois. Or certainly would have played by now. I don't know if he'd be in the lineup every game, and they were missing. Susie at the start, and I'm still not sure that that Susie is a, is a hundred percent. So I'm not. I'm just guessing at what okay. talk it might have might have been referencing. But the you know the 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 roster is the roster, and where they're strong, they're strong, and where they're not strong enough, they have to continue to try and do something. Now they brought they just brought in a uh, another uh, defenseman in, in Friedman, who they got for for almost nothing, you know, for uh, a prospect in Jack Rathbone who had had several opportunities to seize a spot in Vancouver, wasn't able to do it, and then simply got passed by a lot of other players who came into the organization. And and so now this is kind of where they are, that if they can, if they can find somebody else's cast-off that they think might help them, then then they'll do it. But they made their big trade for defensemen last year when they got Philip Ronick. They made their their big spends in free agency on defensemen in the summer when they signed uh, Susie and Ian Cole. So, you know, the top of the defense isn't changing, and, and Tyler Myers is probably going to remain the fifth guy and I and I say that not to suggest he should be higher, but I, I know there's probably a lot of people after a game like this who think, well, just take Tyler Myers out of the lineup. But the fact of the matter is, he's he's probably still better than than the other guys. So I I, I think 
I think Tyler Myers, to me, exemplifies better than anyone the benefits of a structured sound system versus uh, a a team that makes a lot of mistakes and uh, doesn't have dependability or consistency in, in in what they're doing. Because when the Canucks are a sound team, he like most other players really benefit from that from that structure but when things are off or or a miss and there's mistakes and now guys are are kind of ad libbing cuz somebody's made a mistake so now they have to react he doesn't look very good and uh, again tonight that wasn't you know this wasn't a uh, a systemic failure right. by the Canucks that cost them this game like it did in like it did in Philadelphia, where the players didn't show up and Talkett, of course, said they didn't compete. You know, his giveaway was um, an unforced error completely. Yes, yes. And and he should, at, at this stage, I would suggest, be able to make a better read on, on the other uh, power play goal where he drifted wide and then got tangled tangled with Pedersen. But, you know, they don't have, they don't have better guys waiting to step in. You know, they've. I, I think they've improved their top four over over what it used to be. I, I think. I think that you know the the forward depth has been improved, but it would be nice to see some some scoring from mm-hmm. the bottom six, right? The the third line. I thought Beauvillier was terrific tonight. Talk it. You've probably played his comments. He yeah. thought that Joshua was terrific tonight, and and I think Suter is just a quietly good player most games Mm -hmm. but you know you still need you still need to get points on the board but the forwards i I think most people would look at their forwards and and say yeah it's a pretty good group they'll they'll score enough goals especially if they could get a couple more power plays um but again it's it's about the systems play and and is there enough at the bottom of their defense are they good enough one through six and not just one through four or one through five and I, and I also wonder, and actually, you know, as much as Connor Garland's, uh, you know, uh, being talked about so much in trade buzz, I personally don't expect anything to happen anytime soon with him. And maybe I'll be proven wrong because of how hard it is to complete trades, it seems like, right now. Right now, But I actually think that when Mikheyev comes back, him going down to the third line with Suter and getting Bluger back, all of a sudden, maybe those pieces in the bottom six will slot in a bit better. Because I do agree, like, especially a guy like Studnika hasn't really shown much. Hoaglander's been up and down. I thought he was all right at times. But... If you get another center who's effective, and perhaps uh, get Garland playing on a third line, maybe that bottom six looks looks a bit better. Well, it ad- it adds more uh, more talent and and a little more dynamicism to to your third line, to your top top nine. And and Bluger's a guy who, by the way, you know he's he's still a fourth line player. But he's, as we saw in the preseason, with this team, he's going to be fourth line plus. He does a lot of things that help them, and 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 you know they probably miss him, and maybe they would have a little more from their bottom six. But it, you know, in the end, it's a team that has to execute, especially against good opponents. Has has to be almost flawless in its execution, or is at least as, as Talkit reminded us tonight. Don't follow one mistake with another. And 
you know, they they have a long way to go to get there, I think. You know, it's it's been very sobering these last two games where a lot of people were excited, as well they should be, at starting the season 2-0 and against Edmonton. And even though they weren't great in that second game, they were great in some areas, and they were very impressive at, at certain times when they had to be in that game. And so the, it, it's kind of sobering this week because basically what we've been reminded of is that a coach who came in nine months ago and is in his first full season and we're in week two, it's going to take longer than that to fix things. And you just hope that, uh, you know, they fi- they fix enough of it and play a lot more games like tonight because tonight would have won on a lot of nights against a lot of other teams. But they got to play a lot more games like tonight minus the most, uh, the worst individual breakdowns play a lot more games like that than what they played on Tuesday. And, and that's what they'll be telling themselves right now. And so maybe from, from their perspective, the moral victory still means something because they can legitimately tell themselves we were much better tonight. If, if we can do that, most games we're going to win, but you, you still have to take some points when they're, when they're available. Cause at the end of the year, you know, you, if if they miss the playoffs again, they'll be we'll all be doing the arithmetic and saying where did where did they squander the the seven points or the five points or the fifteen points that they needed to to get in. And this could be a game that you look back on and say, well, they had a chance to get at least a point leading late in the second period, and they got none. Uh, very encouraging to see a carryover from uh, last year to this year with JT Miller, though. Two points tonight and probably the best player for the Canucks tonight. Yeah, I mean, JT still had his moments as, as well. And, and, but, you know, that's, that's sports. And maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of talking around this. I'm maybe not making the points succinctly. Like you, you, you're, you're always going to have some mistakes. I said before, flawless. Like flawless is impossible. <laughs> but, but you need to, you need to, limit your mistakes and, and protect yourself from making a second one. And, and so that's what they failed to do tonight. To your point about Miller, he was, he was great. I thought, I thought from the opening uh, face off that you could tell there was a fire in his, in his eye tonight about how he was going to perform and what he was going to try and do. And that line was, was very good. I thought Brock was, I thought Brock was actually one of their least bad players in Philadelphia. Mm. I thought he was good again tonight. Di Giuseppe is what every coach wants. He's he's reliable and he's consistent. And yeah, there's maybe not a huge ceiling there, but what what he is able to do, he delivers it every night. And so that line was that line was very good. JT I think could have gotten done a better, made more of an effort to get in front of Kucherov's shot. The go-ahead goal in the second period because Kucherov adjusted his angle slightly and and JT was right there in front of him but didn't really adjust. And then the puck seeing eye shot goes past three players and and Demko. But I, I thought he was I thought he was really good tonight. I think there's maybe some concern, or at least I have some concern about how uh, much Elias Pettersson is hurt because. As good as JT was tonight, uh, you know, PD, we didn't, we didn't see much from him. Uh, he was still solid, but, 
know, he's one, he's one of the best players that they've ever had. He's one of the best players in this league. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, was, he didn't look like that tonight. So, so we'll see, you know, they, uh, again, we, we've been talking about the, the bottom six scoring. We've been talking about the bottom of their defense and the third pairing and, and how can you, you know, do they have anyone to improve on Tyler Myers at the end of the day? It, it sort of reflects that this team for it to be successful uh, it, on an individual basis, it needs all of their top players going. It needs to be, you know, you need to have guys driving you to victory from, from the top of the lineup. The guys at the bottom of the lineup, what you hope is, is that they don't cause you to lose. They hold their own and are not a liability so that your best players can then go out and try to win the game for you. Yeah, and uh, we'll see what happens here on Saturday when the Canucks take on the Panthers in Florida. And we'll chat with you post-game as well, and hopefully after a better result and a better showing. But we'll see what is in store for us. But in the meantime, whenever your latest gets posted, make sure people read it on sportsnet.ca. Always great, Ian. Thank you so much for your time. All right, I'll look forward to working on the weekend with you. I thought it was, if you if you weren't emotionally invested and just like talking, I thought tonight was a heck of a game to to watch uh we'll see what the what the canucks can muster on saturday yeah let's hope so at the very least thanks so much ian uh, see you guys. You see ya. That is Ian McIntyre. Now, before we close out, uh, last night, the last game, I keep saying last night, last game, it was a bad performance, but it inspired some poetry. And the poetry has been re-inspired and reignited late here in the post-game show. So before we get out, we have a couple poems sent in. Uh, this one is, I present to you the new Louis. In Canucks realm, they dwell. Myers Erickson, a tale struggles they foretell. Finger snaps. There you go. Finger there's one, snaps. There's one more called. Poetry slam. I call this Louis twin. Myers, like Erickson, slips and falls. Mistakes haunt within the game's walls. Errors teach in their shared plight. Humbling both in hockey's light. Nice. Some finger snaps. Well done. All right. That closes out the show. Well done uh, for everybody involved, too. I know people are angry or upset, and some are still positive. Appreciate all the thoughts. Hope you at least had fun and enjoyed the postgame show. Saturday. We're back again on Saturday, but we'll be back again on regular shows as well. Bick Nazar on The People's Show. On Friday, I'm back on Canuck Central, Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio. Thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show, and thanks to you for listening and participating on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.